Retro Rebel is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebels release Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. My name is Stacy, and with me, as always, is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. 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 Yes. And I love that we release on Fridays. Not any particular Friday, not every Friday, but on Fridays. But just in general. A in Friday general. For you. Check Friday. If it's not this Friday... Check the next Friday. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so what have you been up to? Uh, so I just finished a review of Pal World, which we will talk about in greater detail. But um, I thought it was pretty fun. Like if you like survival meets companion sort of gaming, it seemed interesting. Although I made some amusing early mistakes and despite having played many survival games before for some reason chose not to make the correct tool for the job um and really set myself back so it's pretty much an hour of watching me hit a tree with a club like an absolute idiot uh an axe might have been better and then it really changing the game for me in fundamental ways um but it's it's a cool little game. It's free. It's on beta on uh, I think most most platforms. Uh, definitely Xbox and Pal Pal World. Pal World, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this, we've got some stuff to talk about with that. Right. Yeah, we'll definitely get back to that. Uh, I have thoughts, but I have not played it yet. It does look fun. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. What do you think? I I actually started a a new run on Baldur's Gate three. Oh, okay. Um, I was going through all of my games and 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 just games on Game Pass and PlayStation Network. Um, but I just I couldn't find anything that I was really really interested in playing or that caught my. Eye. And I'm gonna tell you what, Baldur's Gate is easily one of the best games I've ever played. And the good news is is this time it has been much more smooth. Uh, I I rolled a bard, um, and so the uh, experience is is much different. I mean, a bard is such a versatile class, and the ranger that I made originally, which I thought was going to be a badass, was just garbage. Aww. I mean, and and when I was looking at the at at because I've watched or read or you know tried to peruse anything and everything that is Baldur's Gate three related. And so you see all these class uh, rankings and like, what's the best class for yeah. uh, Baldur's Gate you know, for new players, old players, whatever, just for fun. And Ranger was at the bottom of almost every single list. You yeah, know? it's very unpopular. Yeah. And so uh, and then I also re-rolled um, Shadowheart uh, to a light cleric and game changer like it completely yeah. changed how she's such a versatile and a strong character she's a tank now yeah effectively like you can't even hit her and so i was going through i finished the first act in maybe two and a half hours mm. whereas before it took me 80 hours or something oh like that God. you know i mean i killed almost i almost i think i finished almost every major battle the goblin village 
the Goblin Village, I actually ended up throwing that bottle that has the uh, spectator in it. I just I just threw it in the middle of the village in the Goblin Village, and it just wiped out the majority of them. I accidentally just threw that at a wall at some point, and then ended up nuking him to death because he wasn't he wasn't as strong as I was at the time when I found him. So right, just absolutely wiped the floor with him, and I was like, well, that was a waste. Like. Well, and you never know because they're unreliable and it's like, you don't know if they're going to attack you or attack them, but it was fortunate that they just, this one just went all in on the goblins and the (laughs) ogres. And so it it was, but it's, I think it's just a testament to how good that game is that I have not had one duplicated interaction in anything that I've done. Like every, I've even seen parts of the game and I think there's only a couple things where I made the same decision so far. But like my romance options have been different. Like my party's different. I kept Lizelle. It's just me and three girls basically is, yeah. is my party. Uh, so it's Shadowheart, Carlac, and and Lizelle. So, um, and they're the they're my favorite three characters besides myself. Just uh, we we're nuking everybody that we <laughs> that we come up upon. So uh, it's just a, and it's a lot more fun. I know what I'm doing, and so I think that has made this game this this run so much more fun. So right. that's what I've been doing. Love it. I mean, I I want to get back into um, Baldur's Gate, but I just I haven't had the time. And I know like once I because I, I made that second character and then didn't do anything with it. So right, right. Um, yeah, I do want to get back into it. I just I haven't had the time to commit it, and I've been doing other reviews. So well, you've got a lot on your plate. So. I'm a busy girl. That's all right. <laughs> all right. So uh, that brings us to the news. What kind of news we got going on? There's a lot going on in gaming news right now. Yeah. So um, I thought for today's topic, we would like separate the newsy sort of stuff from the like innovation kind of things that we wanted to talk about. So I that know like the first piece of news that you're really interested in is the impact of the blizzard layoffs and the FTC. So you sent me a story and then I looked at it and go, oh no. And then that's as far as I got. So can you give a little clarity on what's going on with that? Yeah. uh, So Microsoft effectively laid off, well, they laid off 1900 employees, but this is roughly 8% of the, of the entire gaming division, which is around 22,000 employees total. It was such a big layoff and made such a ripple, I guess, in the business world in the United States that it caught the eye of the FTC. The government is actually uh, looking closer into this just to see if this is good business practice. Anybody that follows gaming in general knows that December, February time period is big for layoffs. In the gaming industry, there's just a lot of game, sort of a rotisserie of jobs, people going from one gaming studio to another. And this is this is something that's not necessarily new, but it's become so egregious that even the government is looking at it now as being like, hey, well, hold on a second. Now, you can't just hire <laughs> no, all these people <laughs> and then 10 months later fire, you know, 20, 30, 40 percent, sometimes the majority of the staff just to make the bottom line work on the mm-hmm. ledger sheet. You know, so they're just, you know, this is to this is a cost cutting measure. That's really all all it is. Uh, and well, I and because I, otherwise I don't it doesn't make sense. They're they're profitable. They've made more money than they've ever made in the history of the company. Yeah. But they've also laid off the most that they've ever laid off. Uh, and so it's just it doesn't make sense uh, with in particular Blizzard dragon something. It's dragons. It's all dragons. It's actually really good. And so that's the thing. 
uh, it's it's not a bad expansion. It's, in fact, it's one of the best that they've had in the last five or six years or in the last two or three expansions. It's far and away uh, one of the best. But uh, and, and the numbers are up in terms Dragon of Flight? over the last Is two. That, have I made that up? Dragonflight. Yeah, Dragonflight. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, so long story endless, regardless what it's called, they're making more money and they're, and the game is healthier than it's been in five or six years. And so the firing does just doesn't make sense anyway, mm -hmm. but this is prevalent in, in one of the sort of the blights on, on the gaming industry in general. I feel like it says a lot about a company's culture when the employees are not invited to participate in the fact that they've made all this amount of money. Like the employees are the reason why these games are created, why they hit their financial targets and then they're turfed out and they never personally see anything from it. If anything, they don't even get the bonus of just having stable employee employment, much less maybe getting a payout, getting a slice of that pie. You know, I agree that the FTC should look into it because it just seems like quite predatory of employees to fleece them for really hard working hours and then cut them loose like the second that it's possible to do so. Yeah, because if you're if you're a contract laborer, like a lot of these, I'm sure are that are working the contract. Well, then you're not really paying for their health insurance anyway. I mean, there's just loopholes after loophole after loophole to, to prevent from really having to pay these individuals and the money's not guaranteed. Uh, on top of that, Mike Ibarra also is retiring, who is the president of Blizzard. He's been there 20 years, which is just, again, very interesting. We're not inside baseball. We don't really know what's going on inside Blizzard. You know, we they brought back some really big name talent and and uh, from from early on in Warcraft and, and Warcraft three, for story purposes, uh, but there's just a lot of senior leadership that's leaving as well, and so you wonder if that has anything to do with the culture and Blizzard sort of growing above and beyond what they were uh, before they were acquired by other larger companies, and uh, that maybe it sort of morphed into something that it wasn't ever intended to be. You know, at the highest level. The people that really got into it because they loved games and making games, uh, it may have just changed to something that maybe they don't enjoy being around or being a part of anymore. So I don't know. That's speculation. I have no idea. But I can. That's where I would be. You know, mm -hmm. if, if uh, you got into this kind of like Larian Studios, who doesn't have shareholders and they don't think about it and they don't care. You know, you hope a company like that, which is you know where CD Projekt Red was at one point, where they didn't have shareholders. And now they do. And so you see what happens once they went to being publicly traded. Well, then they had the debacle that is, you know, Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, my God. Um, Don't you know, I have trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back and tried to play that, too. And, and uh, although it's smooth and everything, you know, it runs well. I just I couldn't get back into it. So. So. But yeah. So that's. An interesting sort of segue to another studio with some developmental challenges. Uh, Skull and Bones actually released today, technically, uh, yes. from Ubisoft. Initial reviews say things like, it's not the game I thought it would be, but there's something here. And That's the best description <laughs> of, a, of a live service game I think you could probably give. <laughs> it's not um, the game... I thought it would be, but there's something here probably. It talks about that it's not as cooperative. Well, it really isn't cooperative at all. If you're not like partnered with somebody, then you're actively competing for spoils and things like that. Um, the graphics look good, but not like 
extraordinary for the fact that it took like 10 years in development. Like some things work, like there are like lethal threats that just pop on the map as challenges that people can just like jump into. There, it's maybe lacking in some features that people would expect. And you had mentioned that there isn't a campaign. That as far as I understand, fun. there isn't a campaign. It's 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 like most open world games mm. where you have the world and, and there's there's sort of sends you a quest, but the lore and anything else, I'm sure it will be built in sort of like Anthem was, mm. where uh you just are kind of you're you're loosely sent out into the world to accomplish goals. You're sort of on your own unless you have, like you said, you're linked up with somebody specifically. Uh everybody against everybody in this just open world and it's not because we talked about this on the show years ago. Like we were both look, sort of looking forward to a pirate game where uh, you cooperate and work toward. I mean, it was just a pirate game. Pirate games are cool. It's yeah. arguably the best Assassin's Creed, which is Black Flag, is is one of the is arguably one of the best Assassin's Creed games. And it had its own sort of campaign as a pirate. So uh, there's there's just a lot to be said for what it was originally. And if we were to play it, I'm, I'm sure we would say the same thing, that uh, this is not the game that we originally thought it was going to be, because it's yeah. not. It has I, more. I think that's what everyone's saying. Like IGN says that uh, the red flags they've seen in the beta so far are a lackluster story and a list of in-game activities that feel like they will become repetitive in short order. And I love the pun, so I had to make sure to leave that in there. <laughs> Um, yeah, interesting. And you like it infuriated you to the fact that you suggested that you might boycott everything coming from Ubisoft, despite them being one of the publishers of a new Star Wars game. Like how I missed is that. this I don't you know, you just had the end of it, you know, you're tired of this sort of thing. I am I am absolutely well and the see so this is the the sort of the stance that I'm choosing to take on it. And, and ultimately I, you don't, I don't have control over anybody else, but if we are tired consumers of, of sort of putting up with what these, these uh, gaming companies feel, we don't have a choice. Like they, they're the ones that control the experience. They're going to put it out. And as consumers, we don't have a choice because they control that. Well, the only way for us to combat that is to speak with our wallet. And so to say, I'm not going to support uh, the company or, or purchase games that are, you know, live service experience that are vapid and have no, no depth. I'm, I just, that's not the type of game I want to support. It's not a personal thing against that company per se. It's just, that's not the type of game I enjoy. Uh, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend my money on those games. Uh, unfortunately, and that's sort of been the, the, uh, the take that, Ubisoft has taken it on a large scale, like on the on the mass scale, they're going that direction. Everything's live service. They want things to be plugged in and be these experiences. You continue to come back as they roll out new content for it all the time, like they're doing with, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and all these other um, experiences. Uh, I'll put I'll, I'll say the games that way. They're experiences, yeah. but they're not. I don't know that they're good experiences. Like I didn't <laughs> necessarily enjoy uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. But I was my plan was to sort of boycott Ubisoft just because bad business practice and the type of game they make is not something that I enjoy. And I think it's predatory. I think all of their games are predatory in that respect. 
And yeah. then they go and publish this Star Wars game that really is the only kryptonite that I have in this situation. <laughs> which they, they are whoever is building the game is creating a large, it's not an open world per se, in that you just go wherever you want to, but it is a large world. And when you land on a planet, much like Jedi Survivor, right. you can go anywhere you want to that you can actually access on the planet. So in that respect, it's open world per se. But it has a narrative. There is a goal. There is a there's lore. There's a story, a single player character driven narrative. And that's the type of game I want to play. Unfortunately, Ubisoft is making it. So I've got a moral choice that I have to make as if this is a game that I, I'd want to I'd want to support. And, and maybe that's the answer is spend your money and support the games that do provide that sort of experience and they don't spend the money on the ones that are vapid and empty and have this roadmap and they just sell you a full price shell only to charge you more money later to put the actual game in it. I think it is funny that when we describe what games used to be like as complete experiences, like the younger people of today, like younger kids are like, what? Right. <laughs> you know, like, the idea just baffles them. Most individuals in the younger generations are probably not thinking that far ahead. You know, it's mm. like this looks really cool, but I promise you that, in you know, you may knee-jerk reaction purchase something like that because of the name or it sounds really cool, just like I used to with uh, Madden Football. But mm. now Madden Football has become a live service game where they are adding players and changing things during the season, you know, and, and it's... You no longer is this a self-contained experience. Now it's everything has to be plugged into the internet. Otherwise, you can't experience it at all. And I, I think that the sacrifice, the trade-off you get for making that particular sacrifice to me isn't worth it. And I think most people uh, would ultimately agree if they were able to see the future. Unfortunately, they you can't until it's too late. You learn that lesson the hard way sometimes. Challenge. But from news, that was pretty much all I had that was super, super recent and not an innovation of any kind. Did you have anything else from the news perspective? Really, I, I sort of just wanted to shout out Alan Wake 2. Um, it sold 1.3 million uh, as of this week, and which made it the fastest growing uh, Remedy game. And I, really the reason I wanted to shout that game out is because even though I, I liked Control, I didn't love it. I liked Alan Wake a lot. I didn't finish it. Uh, a lot of their games are sort of they're sort of off and left field. They're there's sort of a strange premise, but there's this through line that ties all of them together. And so to me, that's really cool that they have this own sort of uh, interconnected world where all of those games have an overlap. Uh, and and uh, so they're all sort of occur occurring in the same world. And I think that's pretty cool. They're all single player story driven experiences. Also sort of my bag. That's the thing I enjoy. And so I'm going to pick up and support uh, Remedy by purchasing Alan Wake 2. Probably won't play it all the way through because uh, it's a horror game. And that's, I mean, if you've listened to this. That, I love that now we're like, well, I'll just give them some dollars and play as much as I can. <laughs> you know, and that's, I think that's the best I can do to, to support a company like that. And, and uh, I mean, that's what I would be doing for anything else. I'm trying not to do that for companies. I don't support the way that they sort of operate. And, and uh, so, Perhaps if I if I find a loophole where I can play uh, the 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 Star Wars outcast or the Star Wars game by Ubisoft if it's if it's on Game Pass and it's free effectively, 
then or maybe I'll give it a try. Buy it secondhand because then you didn't give them the money. That's right. I gave it to somebody else. That's you gave right. it to somebody if, else. If if you can find a hard copy of the and game, this. that's going. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be hard. All right, cool. So how about we dive into our main topic, which is uh, 2024 to date tech and like general gaming uh, updates and advancements. Um, starting off with the uh, Pal World versus Pokemon and just a little thought experiment on what it takes to make a game different enough. Because um, Pal World is not what I would actually call a Pokemon clone. In okay. fact, I've mentioned in the past a uh, Pokemon-style game on the Xbox that I've played before that's way, way, way more similar to regular Pokemon, Nexomon. It's sort of like a Zelda, like an early Zelda Pokemon hybrid, and I love it. It's, it's you know, got to collect them all, all that sort of stuff. And it's very much you are in a turn-based battle with the Pokemon to capture them or defeat them, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Paul World, I think, is either being sued or was threatened to be sued by Pokemon for creating a Pokemon-like game. Now, their response to it on TikTok is brilliant, where they're just like, you'll find our game Pokemon, I mean, Pal World, is incredibly different. And like, they're just, they're just taking the, the absolute mick out of it. Um, but having played it for about an hour the other day, um, and I didn't get very far and people will make fun of me, I'm sure in the comments, but it doesn't feel like Pokemon at all, really, to me. First off, it's like real, it's, it's real time action. So you are punching the, the Poke Pals in the face with your club and just beat, 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 beating them down. Right. So it's not turn-based. It has it's full 3D graphics, which I know the most recent Pokemon that I played was, but it was still turn-based. So that's already a point of difference. And there's a base building element, which in any Pokemon game that I've played, there was never any bases. Uh, I heard there was like that, that a uh, Fortnite element too. Yeah. That, which was the base. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, I saw someone riding one of their Pokemons, which um, with the exception of like uh, that purpley one that you get in Violet, which is the one that I played, I think. Um, you don't really usually use Pokemon for anything other than just battling. So um, your pals in Pal World, um, they um will like help you build things and complete tasks so if like you want to make a bed for your house they're the ones there like helping you make the bed and stuff um okay. you have to gather resources and so it's very much more like um valheim or uh that uh stranded at sea or whatever game like it, it's like a like a resource survival okay. game to me more than it is a Pokemon game. There are these things they're in the wild. They actually didn't seem to attack me unless I attacked them. They seemed curious about it, but they didn't like just bum rush me. There was like a level 34 mammoth and he just walked right through my camp and didn't seem to care. So, you know, I, it doesn't, I feel like there's enough 
where it is not a Pokemon game. Like it isn't a true like ripoff. I feel like Nexamon is way, way, way more of a direct, you have just stolen every idea. Whereas this is sort of like a survival game, but you have cute pets to level up and look after. Do you know, like it's, it's, there's something more there. So what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts? How close is too close where it's just, you know, ripping people off? Well, I think you haven't gotten to play it. I've watched a number of reviews of it and a lot of gameplay. Uh, and so I definitely could see where the influences are. Like you can see the influence of uh, of Pokemon. You can see it. But I mean, the the monsters also have guns. So there's a difference there. Um, the fact that you can build, you know, uh, you can build things. So you have the Fortnite component. There's resource management. Uh, so it's an, it's like this amalgamation of a number of different games together, uh, where there's just enough similarity. Now I've seen like pictures of some of the, uh, of some of the pals that yeah. are, I mean, they're not reskins. They look like ev evolution of some Pokemon, like they're, it's, it's ripped from it. So like, there are probably a few, uh, elements that, that, uh, they didn't change enough, I think, uh, to to really say we we're not stealing directly from you. Um, that this is you know just inspiration. I think it's a little more than that. But I but I'm I'm I think I'm going to be on the same page with you in that I I don't believe that this is a Pokemon specific like just not a direct ripoff. I think that there's a lot more to this game from what I've been able to see. Um, like, it may be, be honest, something that things they have in the game. I'd like to see in a Pokemon game. Like, <laughs> well, and that's kind of been one of the biggest criticisms is that if this is a Pokemon ripoff, it actually functions better than the last three Pokemon games that have come out, <laughs> you know, that it, that for all of the, the, the knocks that they want to, uh, sort of put onto it that, uh, you know, if you want to say it was written by chat GPT, well, it functions well, the code is perfect. It's not glitching. There aren't the bugs. It's like. Uh, you know, so from all of those perspectives, it's, it seems like, uh, this company did their due diligence. They're sort of tongue in cheek, uh, accepting that there's a little bit of parallel or some overlap between these other games. It was really funny, honestly, they yeah. have a good sense of humor about it. And then, and I think that that's great, but it also to me shows that they're probably not as worried about, uh, you know, sort of any, any sort of uh, lawsuit specifically. I mean, Digimon is a bigger ripoff than, than. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is literally a digital monster yeah. in the name. So yeah. At least they changed so the name to funny. pals. I remember so. like when you were a kid, people would be like, Oh, like, do you want to do Digimon? You're like, no, like Digimon's lame. Pokemon's cool. Like anyway, right. I, I'm getting off track. <laughs> okay. So then the next thing I know a couple weeks back, we talked about the MetaQuest three and it, uh, it's the Facebook VR headset. Uh, it's a uh, vision occlusive. So you, uh, you know, it, it like covers your face uh, and it allows you to have like an AR environment using cameras and everything, scan the room, blah, blah, blah. You can play games, you can do blah, blah, blah. Okay. So uh, Zuckerberg came out today to talk about the Apple Vision Pro, which is several, several hundreds of dollars. I think maybe even a few thousand. Uh, it's super expensive. Um, and uh, how it compares versus the MetaQuest 3. And um, 
So, oh, let me just look up the price. Yeah, so the Apple Vision Pro is 3,499 US dollars and the MetaQuest is uh just about 500, 499, right? Um, they both have pancake lenses. The uh, Apple Vision Pro has like slightly more micro OLED like pixels or whatever, but they it runs at less hertz. Um, it's also the Apple Vision Pro is also heavier, um, and they they do. Uh, hand tracking, et cetera, et cetera. The Apple Vision Pro doesn't have controllers, although I'm sure it will be. What I have seen is people using the Apple Vision Pro, both in real life and also while driving. Side note, don't do that. Um, and because you, the cameras allow you to like see through it in, you know, near perfect resolution, like people are starting to wear them like you would any pair of glasses. Um, and they are using them at the moment. It looks like mostly for, like life admin work and then like uh, entertainment tasks. I don't think that the market for the Apple vision pro is the same as the meta gaming forward market. Um, but the Apple vision pro has some cool things that meta, I think could have capitalized on like the ability to like pin a shopping list onto your refrigerator virtually. And it just stays there. It lives there all the time. So you can instantly look at it, add things to it, you know, like blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. And it's just there. And you will remember how it replaces the need to have monitors because your entire wall can be a pinned television or monitor screen and you do not need a monitor and it just lives in that space pinned in that room only visible while in that room like a actual piece of physical hardware very cool right now there is some clipping issues and i have seen it even in the demo sometimes when you walk past the room like briefly it pops into existence and pops away so i don't think like a hundred percent they have nailed it but like very cool application for the technology does basically the same stuff as the MetaQuest, but probably slightly higher spec and with more general life applications um but mark zuckerberg said uh that not only does he think the MetaQuest is better value but he thinks it's actually a better product um and that is very interesting because like specs wise, I don't think they're like super far off. And I believe from just my understanding of Apple that they will have much better, more intuitive and higher spec interfaces than what we've seen from Meta in the past. Like there won't be these goofy avatars and things like this. It will be as close to holograms in your room as we can achieve at the moment, right? I think that's the direction that they're going. Have you seen the Apple goggle things? I've seen video of people walking around like this, like streets with it, <laughs> like yeah. looking up at the lights or at this, you know, and like pointing and, 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 you know, gesturing into the air, uh, sort of like mad. Because like nobody else around them has this on, so they're seeing things no one else is seeing, <laughs> and so it it's absurd to see when you see it just sort of in a vacuum when it's not, uh, you know, sort of ubiquitous with when everybody's not doing it. You yeah, know? Um, and you just see one person isolated, you know, walking across the street in New York City. But 
I, I've seen, I, I believe, didn't you share, uh, share with me a video from TikTok that had uh, someone who was using the Apple or using, I don't think it was, and they were, and it's, so it specs your room. And then yeah. you basically had this AR sort of an AR experience where it was augmented reality, but it's in your room. And so your ceiling collapses, things oh, are coming yeah. so in. That's the, that's the MetaQuest. So that's, oh, okay. that's the, that's the $500 MetaQuest. That's their like uh, attack of the alien like game thing. And I'm certain that the Apple can do the same thing because they Absolutely. have exactly the same specs. But it is weird to me that Apple has gone very much with the productivity side of things and the entertainment side of things and really hasn't, from what I've seen at least, said anything about the gaming. I will say the Apple one looks better just if you're going to have a bulky thing on your face. I will say that, right? <laughs> They're both bulky. The Apple one is less bulky and you can like, um, you can put like little eyes that like show through it and you can like have different Can eyes. you just put googly eyes on the other side of it? <laughs> put googly eyes on your MetaQuest. Yeah. yeah, just put them on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I am, I don't know. Like I just, I, you know, I'm, a different generation, get off my lawn sort of approach to all of this. And uh, I, I guess I'm going to wait and see sort of how it goes. VR was something I never really thought would catch on in a mainstream sort of way. Um, it could just be a generational thing. I, I think the question in the end is probably something that we're maybe not equipped to answer because we don't know. And we, we're not, you know, it's not mainstream yet, but it's like, is this good? Like, what is it? You know, how is this going to change things, social interaction, things like that? Is it a tool or is it something that's going to replace uh, so much of sort of what is our day to day? You know, uh, and I don't know that we know the answer to that. So I think I'll, I'll um, I'm cautiously uh, optimistic that this can be used and, and can sort of add to uh, the landscape for gaming, practical application. I think that there's a lot of use that can be found for it. And for $4,000, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I mean, for, yeah, for like the sort of spatial audio playback, the processing speed display resolution, that's all better, but is it enough better for several grand more? Like probably not. I'm going to have to say like, it's also not gaming first at all. Like the MetaQuest was designed to be gaming first. It's got Beat Saber. It's got like all these really great titles and it has handheld controllers as well, which right. improved the accuracy and, and like, you know, the sort of stuff that you need to be like gaming forward. But you know, you may actually get away with wearing a Vision Pro in the office all day long. So if you wanted to play a game, you could probably do it while working. Like, you know, right. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. But anyway, I thought it would. Uh... It'll be interesting. Yeah. I still don't think it'll replace the the console and the controller. Uh, unless you're looking through a visor at another bigger screen, <laughs> which to me just seems <laughs> which absurd. Is wild. You know, you oh. could just buy a 90s or a projector and do the same thing. Yeah. It, well, yeah. Um, 
So the last one that I wanted to run to is Disney's Research Lab's hollow tile floor, which this, this sends me, right? Combined with something like the MetaQuest or the Apple Vision Pro, if you've got dollars, the hollow tile floor, 360 degrees of movement in any direction at fairly reasonable pace, I think, as well. Like, this is better than anything that we have seen so far from any sort of gaming hollow reel, like rig. Like, there have been, like, sort of hamster ball kind of things or like like a trackpad that moves underneath you but it's not as responsive as this hollow floor and what it looks like it's doing like the tiles are actually individually moving to accommodate your feet and like the way that you're going like this is crazy is it going to be available for your house not for a million years right like it'll cost so much but to go somewhere like one of those VR experience bars and experience what it is like to be in as close to a hollow deck as we have ever come before through having VR and being, being to have that full spatial movement. I, I got so excited. I had goosebumps like this is whoa, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that now that's sort of what we've been talking about with the haptic suit and all of that stuff that we're uh, we're, approaching that that realistic uh virtual experience where you're sort of blurring the line between what's real and what's not and that seems like a a a bigger step so is this something that's only going to be available at disney world or disneyland or is there like a specific location where you can experience this if it can't Uh, be at home let me let me take a look so it looks like at the moment that it is a a research like like it's uh, just in the research facility i don't think that it is rolled out anywhere specifically yet that's sort of what i get from this but i mean disney would be foolish to not incorporate it into a rider experience at the park like absolutely you know um and i'm sure but i mean it's multi-person, omnidirectional, modular, expandable. It's like a treadmill for the floor. And I just think that is so cool. Um, Yeah, that is just absolutely incredible to me. Uh, It says that you can have a shared virtual reality experience, walk in unlimited distance in any direction and never collide or walk uh, walk off of its surface. So the fact that you can be standing next to someone else and the floor will not allow you to run into each other. How does that work? That's madness. Yeah. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. So crazy. But yeah, it says, in fact, he even says, we don't know yet where it will be used. So they're, they're not sure if they're going to put it into Disney parks or sell it for commercial applications, you know, like, uh, that sort of thing, or make it available for home use. This is just, he is one of the Imagineers, the guy who invented it, and he was receiving like an award and Disney did some coverage on things that he's made. And that was one of the things. And I was like, why do we not have this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. No, that's amazing. Uh, well, all right. Does, that's, a, that's a lot of news. And I know there's a lot coming up. We still have games we're excited for this year. And we've talked a little bit about that, but we can always cover that on the next episode. Was there any other news or... That's all the topics that I had for today. Did you have anything that we've missed off? 
Uh, no, uh, like I said, we've we've touched on uh, all the little things I really wanted to 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 talk about, and so uh, we'll we'll uh, hit the ground running on some more uh, uh, some more gaming news next time, and, and uh, reviews and and so on. But uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up. So that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All of the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast. And please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.